Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dan Assor Show, supported by TF Connect, Tarsus Group, Terrapin and 19 Group, and the show's official venue sponsor, Carbon Neutral Conference and Exhibition Centre, BDC London, who are currently setting their sights on reaching net zero before 2030. Visit bdc.london for more information. Please check out all of my content on danassor.com and be notified first about new episodes by subscribing to my YouTube channel and by following me on Apple Podcasts and Spotify platforms. Before we get into everything about being a solopreneur, uh, it'd be great if you could introduce yourselves and what you do. Charlie, start with you. Yeah, of course. So I'm Charlie. I'm founder and director of Eventure. So we are an event staffing agency. Um, I started the business in June 2020. Interesting time to start, which I'm sure mm. Anna-Marie will, yeah. will agree with. <laughs> I was previously in an event staffing agency as well, um, which I was made redundant from. Um, and the company actually closed down, which sort of left me with a decision at the beginning of COVID to be like, do I do my own thing? Do I work in a supermarket? Because there was literally no other option. Um, and yeah, decided to start up on my own. Um, and here we are three years later. And um, Anna-Marie, just briefly introduce yourself, please. Yeah, sure. So very similar to Charlie. Um, I was made redundant. It was actually before furlough, very early in the process of COVID-19 in 2020. Um, I came to the decision to form my own company and a creative events agency in June 2020. And three years on, here I am, creative director and founder of AMT Events. Fantastic. And I, I must say, firstly, congratulations, because both of you, three years in business, I think there's a there's a very pessimistic stat that flies around that you know X amount of businesses don't survive the first year. So um, congratulations! It's not it's it's not a you know an insignificant achievement. Thank you. So I want to just before we talk about the challenges of being a, a solopreneur, I'm just interested to know about the transition. Obviously, I guess it was part circumstance as to why you both set up your individual businesses. But Charlie, starting with you, is it is it sort of going back a few years, maybe even into childhood. Did you always think you had a sort of burning desire and passion to do your own thing in whatever industry that might have been at the time? No, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I actually remember saying, like, when I used to work for, you know, in other companies as an employee, I was like, I don't know how business owners do this. I don't know right. why you would want to have that stress. <laughs> I, I really remember saying that. But I think when, I mean, when I've worked as an employee, I've always worked very hard. I've always probably, you know, gone above and beyond at all times. Like I've treated everyone else's business like it was my own. And I've always, so maybe there has always been that, that sure. urge there without me really realizing it. And then when I was sort of, given presented the opportunity I was like actually let's yeah. give this a go and then actually now I really well it's a bit of a love-hate relationship but <laughs> I, I do love it. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah and Anna Marie so similar to you you know I'm always interested whether it's sort of a bit of nature a bit of nurture is it we we take after our parents our peer group um 
did you always have a burning desire? Where where did it where do you think it came from? Apart from maybe circumstance, but maybe it's something you always wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so I've always been quite headstrong, knowing what I want to do, where I want to go with it, um, and a bit of a sponge for knowledge, training, um, trying to learn everything that I can. Um, and I think for a very similar to Charlie in that I've always been an extremely hardworking employee um, that treats the business that I'm working for almost like it's my own, above sure. and beyond additional hours. Um, I mean, I think many people in events do because they love events and it's not a nine to five job because you've got all of the outside hours. But uh, I just got to a point, I think, where for a number of years I was like, I can do this and I can do it in the way that I want to do it and I can make it a really good environment for suppliers for freelancers for clients who you know my relationships to are very important to me a bit of a people person very social so I think it all just came together and that push over the edge just made me go there yeah, <laughs> yeah it's interesting you talk about that push so sometimes it just happens right because we're forced into a situation and other times we <clears throat> make the decision ourselves but you know, if you end up in the result in the in the place that you maybe want to be to, I guess, or be at, I guess that's the most important thing. We're going to start off with the challenges. You know, people that are listening might be just about to take that step. You know, they've got an idea, they want to turn it into reality, they want to run their own thing for for many different reasons. Coming to you, Charlie, first, um, and I, I want to specifically talk about the challenge of, I guess, wearing multiple hats. And to put that into sort of perspective, I know you have some permanent members of staff and also you work with a number of freelancers, but, you know, you're a business of a, a certain size, uh, definitely fall into the category of small business. How do you how do you cope with wearing multiple hats? And actually, what does that mean to you on a daily basis? I mean, maybe even bring to life what your day is going to look like today, for example. Every day looks a bit different, um, particularly with being a small business, um, you know, from a bit of marketing scheduling social media posts to doing new business calls to looking after existing clients to checking in on my team potentially doing a bit of staffing if it's necessary um it it really it totally varies on a day-to-day -day basis i actually really enjoy it i enjoy being so involved um i enjoy sort of see overseeing it but also you know making sure things are being led as they should be but yeah it's it is challenging um and you have to be very very organized um i every single day prepare for the following day um i have an essential list and an other list and yeah it, it you just <laughs> you have to be very very organized time blocking um it, it is challenging um but it's sure. also so rewarding yeah which we'll come on to. And Anna-Marie, I guess, sort of similar question, but, and I found this myself, right? Because I, you know, I've done my own thing before and I've worked for people and I've done my own thing again. We can wear multiple hats, but it also means that we sometimes have to feel that we need to be, you know, an expert and proficient in every area of business, right? Mm. And that's not always the case. Mm. So how do you, mm. how do you overcome that obstacle? Do you rely on mentors, professional expertise? What, what, how do you go about doing that? sort of solving challenges that maybe you haven't got experience in yeah sure um I've actually brought this up as 
kind of a topic with a couple of um, other agency owners recently. Yeah. Um, and um, it is a challenge because you get to a certain point in your career or you're then, you know, seen as an agency founder owner and you are expected to be expert in everything and it's difficult to know who to reach out to when you do come up against challenges um but I really just try to be authentic and kind of I always say even now I'm still learning I think probably most people are in every stage in their career and it's about it is coming back to community like what we've spoken about during yeah. 2020 it's kind of really working out I suppose those people that are in similar boats to you uh, that you relate to that you know you can have a one-to-one chat with and it's genuine you know there's no bs there excuse <laughs> um but Charlie actually was one person I picked out straight away I was like Charlie we're on the same road we've got slightly different businesses but we're up against the same challenges and um there's a couple of other people as well and it's really good to just not kind of be a big brick wall and pretend like you've got everything because that's probably where you end up falling down ask for that help ask that knowledge um I don't have an official mentor but I'm I've been pinging somebody quite frequently for the last six months and they're a very busy person I think I think hopefully fingers crossed I might be uh kind of getting more mentorship from them uh, moving into this summer and moving forward so yeah (laughs) and Charlie I think you mentioned just before we came on that um I think you're part of a mentor program is that important to you to, to sort of get a, an outsider's view on your own business and, and sort of get some tips and advice? 100%. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually, I'm, I'm going through coaching at the moment. Um, but previously, well, it was near when I first started the business, I uh, applied to fast forward 15 um, with Face Sharp and Fortunately, um, I was accepted onto the programme, which was my second time applying, but I was matched with Richard um, from Top Banana and that literally transformed um, where I was at with my business at the start to where I was at the end. Just having someone who has so much knowledge, has been through all the challenges that you're going through and done so much more and not only the support, but also the inspiration and it just keeps pushing you that you know you can achieve what you want to achieve and also then you you sort of adopt that within your own team as well like I'm sure and I know Anna Marie does this as well like you adopt it with the people you work with you want to support them and help them to grow as well so yeah it's totally invaluable. Sure and Anna Marie coming to I guess the emotional aspect you know it could be challenging you're running a business you've got um, bills to pay both personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. You might have a family. I know you, in, in your uh, your case, you've got kids. How do you deal How do you deal with that? And actually talk to me about, I guess, some of the, you know, it could be isolation or uh, some of the feelings that you might have on a, on a daily basis. I guess it's a bit like a roller coaster, right? So maybe bring some of that to life and then sort of maybe yeah. talk about some of the solutions that you try and employ to deal with those those challenges yeah sure um so one of the topics you you brought up there definitely isolation I've dealt with that um you know in many ways it's great you've got your own office you've got your own space um you know you're you're creating your own schedule but then at the same time 
um, with a lot of remote working and I work with teams um, remote working and then we all come into London uh, once a month. Um, if I've got team members working locally, they, they come into my office. But often it is working alone and it's those moments where actually you've had a period of time doing that and you're coming up against those challenges and you haven't got anyone to bounce off. So um, that's where I've come back to that community and... Um, sure. You know, I'm part of the AIEA as well. Um, that's the Independent Association of Event Organisers, which is also very key for me. I've got the UK Event Professionals Community Group, which is a wonderful group of freelancers and professionals. So that's definitely helped. Um, when it comes to family life, uh, building a business, there isn't a textbook for it. Um, everybody's family life is different, background different. Um, I would say it's all about timing and that support because if I didn't have a, a very supportive husband that had a stable income, then sure. I couldn't do the, you know, the the peaks and and the lows of my business. Which, you know, it, we I still have those times. I have really really busy seasons, and then sure. I have quiet periods. And you know, I'm taking you have to grasp that time and do the new business. So it's kind of like it's taking a quieter time for many reasons yeah it's like it's going to get going again soon so I've got to make the most of this time and um, it's definitely useful having family background to actually support you and um, our, our calendars are just bible it's uh you know we have to communicate when are you in london yeah. when are you in yeah. london who's picking up the kids and yeah. you know what's going on i'm actually yeah. away for three days in switzerland or or you know whatever that is you have to work together and 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 kind of make that make that work sure and thank you and charlie turning to you i mean there's there's lots of talk about work life balance right you know mm -hmm. on the one hand I, I listen to people read things yeah it's really important to have a work-life balance whatever that means, because I guess it means different things to different people. On another spectrum, people say, well, you know, my work is my life. I've chosen to do this type of work. I really enjoy it. So why do I need to be felt, you know, put under pressure that I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that? Uh, what's your view? What does a work-life balance mean to you and how do you achieve it? Like we've already said, I do work incredibly hard and, and a lot of hours. Um, but last year actually experienced um, quite a, bad time of burnout as a result of working too much um, sure. and just putting my my all into work basically and not not giving myself time what I do personally is running is something that is is a big part of my life but I make sure I do it before I start my day I was finding that if I did that sort of at the end of the day it was you know I'd just carry on working because I was involved in something so I think it's prioritizing what you feel is non-negotiable to you and that's different for everyone whether that's you know being with family or friends or exercise whatever that looks like for me it's exercise is a big part of helping me function better at work um so i actually get up early and and go out and do my training um and then also we are doing a four-day work week trial even though we're a really small business um because we do work incredibly hard but also productively during the times we're at work so we all have a different day off each week so I have a Monday so every week I'm off on a Monday but the other days it actually makes me more productive when I'm in work um so that's something we're trialing and hoping it continues 
Sure, and I, I guess from there. Yeah, I was gonna gonna ask Anna Marie, it'd be interesting to yeah. sort of understand from your well, perspective. Because I've got two very young children. One's yeah. one, one's two, very young. Um <laughs> I do take Fridays off yeah. <laughs> and I spend them with my kids. Plus childcare costs, it's an absolute fortune. But that for me is my non-negotiable. However, mm-hmm. I, I as a business owner, I do have flexibility. I have wonderful, we have wonderful people in the industry. I've met you know, I went to Farmer International and they welcomed the buggy on site going around. And I met up with Matt from Event Decision and he would had the kids running around him. And, you know, it's wonderful to like have those meetings where it's actually there's a bit more flexible flexibility. You can go to like a site that is actually very child friendly. So I kind of mesh a little bit in, but own that when it works and um I completely resonate with what you're saying about, you know, if you pick your, if you do pick your love of your work, then you shouldn't be made to feel guilty because you are working really hard. And um, I recently read uh, Stephen Bartlett's book, um, Happy Sexy Millionaire. And I just took so much from that. And one of the things that he spoke about was like, yeah, have work-life balance, have your interest. But if you're working really hard to build something and you have a vision and you're enjoying what you're doing, don't feel guilty for it. Just run with what you want to do and what's right for you. And that's, that's pretty much what I do. Hi, I hope you enjoyed the podcast so far. Just going to take a brief pause to tell you a little bit more about our official venue sponsor, the Business Design Centre. The BDC is London's most stylish venue, playing host to hundreds of conferences and exhibitions every year. It is also the permanent home to over 125 businesses who occupy the offices and showrooms based there all year round. Opened over 36 years ago in 1986 and formerly the Royal Agricultural Hall, The building was rescued from demolition in 1981 by entrepreneur Sam Morris and was fully restored and reopened as the UK's first integrated trade exhibition and conference complex. Today, the BDC attracts almost one million visitors every year. Sustainability is at the forefront of everything they do at the BDC with a goal to reach net zero before 2030. For over 13 years, it has been a certified carbon neutral venue and the steps they have taken to improve their impact on the planet have been recognised within the events industry and further. The BDC has received recognition with multiple awards, including Exhibition News CSR Award in both 2018 and 2019, and more recently, the EN ESG Award in 2022. Please visit bdc.london for more information. Now back to the podcast. I want to turn to, I want to, turn to the communities that um, we sort of live and work within. And um, Anna Marie, obviously, you, you did a tremendous job setting up your community of event professionals during the pandemic. And I guess, um, you know, it started as a support network and obviously it's flourished since then as well. And I'm sure lots of people have, have um, been making <coughs> you know, strong connections off the back of it. And you touched upon it before, but how important to you is you know, the community of event professionals, not just you personally, I guess, but also... Mm-hmm freelancers how do you nurture that that support it's a tricky one really because as you said I've spoken a lot about the community over the years and every year it's kind of evolved as a community um it was never meant to be what it's become and it's become a real a really big beast but also 
it feels like something I'd never want to drop because it was through sweat, blood and tears that we all came together and then we built that community and the reputation was very organic. It wasn't forced. It was completely recommended through the community. And, um, you know, I've done lots of surveys um, on the group about <clears throat> the purpose of the group in today and do people want it and what do they get out of it? It's definitely gone quieter but then the feedback generally is that freelancers and communities, when they need to use that group, they always come back to it. You know, they're really, really busy with events. They have a quiet period. They're not using it in the same way anymore. But when they've got, when they're looking for work, when they're looking for a piece of advice, they know that they can go to that group and they have people they can rely on that are going to help them with no agenda. There's, it's just right. Oh, they're reaching out. Uh, is there anything I know in my background knowledge I can offer, um, whether that's suppliers, whether that's a job uh, introduction, email, um, showing their background, what they've got. OK, yeah, I, I know somebody that's crying out for freelancers in that particular area at the moment. Um, so it's really just become now um, a group that is for everybody. And um, I'm still learning how to manage that in my day to day work because sure. it is... Um, still currently something that doesn't earn any money and it involves a lot of time in management but we're getting there and we've done some really successful events with venues and that's our that's kind of our new outlook now with sponsorship and um kind of entertaining the buyers in networking and connection but then equally offering venues the the buyers to come in and see their spaces so hopefully that's the way forward for the continuation of of the management and equally I'd like to think that everybody is still gaining a lot from the group just differently sure no and I I think they absolutely are I Charlie I read a lot read a lot about your views on a, a attraction and retention of talent okay so both permanent mm -hmm. staff and freelancers that you work with. And it definitely comes across from what I read, how you present yourself personally, the business on the website and social media, that you really take the time to nurture um, and support the people that work with you. Tell us about yeah. that. Tell us about why that's important uh, to you individually and as a business. Yeah, I think when I first started the business, um, it was obviously COVID, people were, you know, all at home. I was providing work and I suppose a, a space for people to come to, freelancers I'm referring to, um, when they didn't have, then they're not part of, you know, a business, they're not an employee as such, then they don't have that permanent team or, or safe space. Um, and they said to me, you know, I got so many messages of gratitude that they were just like so thankful that I brought them together in this, you know in this really tough time and they kept saying oh you've created such a community and it i'm so grateful and so i was like right i'm just going to call this adventure community and we started doing um sort of small online events for our freelancers so these were things like we got in people to do like desk yoga goal setting um we had one of our freelancers actually um, did a session on how to be a better ally to the LGBTQ plus community. Um, so we try and look at who in our network had the skills to, to put out to the rest of them and share with them. And then we pay them for their time as well. So it the purpose of, the, of it all, um, of the events and of bringing people together, it was just to make them feel valued, like they had a safe space. Um, 
ultimately we found if we do that for them as well as obviously paying them well paying them on time they are so much more committed so much more reliable respectful and it's actually like they're part of the team even though you know even though they're a freelancer that doesn't make a difference um they're still part of our team despite not being you know a, a con- well they are contracted but you know not a full-time member of staff sure. if you will sure um so yeah it's it's incredibly important to me and we yeah, we notice how much of an impact that has on client events as well. Yeah, I guess that impacts, doesn't it, Anna Marie? Also on quality of service. So, um, you know, what we're what we're offering our clients. Clearly, if you can use the same staff, same people that you've used on multiple events, yeah. and obviously that's going to make a difference. Talk to me about how how AMT events works with freelancers and maybe some of the some of the ways that you know you nurture those relationships. In my background, I actually have been in-house and agency side, contractor and freelancer. Um, So I've seen kind of how different agencies operate, how different corporates operate. And one of the things that I really wanted to capture within AMT events was an agency for freelancers and contractors nurturing their particular niche of skills, whether that's in ops, speak management, production, um, design and and very similar to Charlie, just nurturing that and making them feel like they are they are AMT events. Um, often contractors and freelancers will work as hard, sometimes even harder than permanent members of staff. And um, I want to make sure that AMT events is an environment where they feel the gratitude. They feel the team environment, which isn't always felt and hasn't always been felt historically, I don't think, in the industry. Sure. because. You have the commercial pressures, and I get that as a business. You have to make sure that you're looking after the bottom line. You have to react. But freelancers and contractors are people like anyone else. And, you know, they deserve to have notice about what's going on in the coming months for their income. Um, Equally, they don't want to turn work down because then they feel like, you know, they may not get offered that again. So it's understanding their pressures as well as your own business pressures to try and create an environment, I think, that is really welcoming to freelancers and and and, and, and a nice place to work. Sure, because I guess it's easy just to get sometimes get on a treadmill, I need to deliver this event, who can do it? You know, I'll, I'll have you or go for the lowest, uh, the person that's charged me the least amount, uh, because obviously I'm under pressure from my client who doesn't want to pay as much. But then I guess yeah. you know, that's not that's not a sustainable business model, is it? You've definitely got to know what's competitive in the industry, but what is deserving of the experience level. Um, there's no negotiation really on that. The costs are the costs. Um, you know, you can look at how how many different ways you can work with difficult budgets, um, but the staffing fee shouldn't be the items to to have that knock-on effect of dripping down because when as a freelancer I would say if they've become a freelancer they've worked they've been working in the industry for a long time where they're very confident in their skills and so they deserve the recognition of their experience um when you're looking at the equivalent of an internal salary person um it's very easy to say on a day rate oh that looks like too much money on a day rate you've got to then register that against the skill set and the job that's been carried out by that person. Sure. Thank you. And Charlie, uh, this has been the same in business, I guess, forever, but it's definitely a focus at the moment. Inflation has impacted on 
costs of everything, labor, venues, um, other contractor services, you know, equipment. But yet still our clients want value for money, whatever, <laughs> whatever that means, which typically translates into, I don't want to pay as much as you want to charge me. Talk about challenges generally of being a solopreneur. Um, how do you deal with that? Because... You know, you're a small business. You don't want to turn down business, right? I guess there's pressures. Oh, God, I want to make this work. I want to make this work. But, it, you know, I can't with these sort of... How do you... What's the process of having a conversation with a client who sort of wants you know, wants to use you, but it's not working financially or you don't think it's going to work financially? Yeah, I think it it's a big education piece for us. Um, yeah. It's... both. I'd say both sides, actually. Um, you know clients want things cheaper freelancers want paying more it's yeah. like it's constant balancing act and yeah. it's yeah it's striking the balance but it's also educating both sides on on what we're offering as value so you know clients come and they say oh well we paid this when we were direct well yeah that's that's great but you were working direct you didn't have an agency managing supporting doing the bits of added value that we do that make their lives easier sure. you know if someone calls it sick how how are you managing that do you have time to manage it it's it's all that service so it's educating on the service and that tends to help when we do that and you know take some time to explain that but equally on the freelancer side we have i mean we're we pay very well we're at sort of the upper end of of the staffing agency market in terms of rates um but we don't really negotiate on that and unless they're asking for more and then we try and negotiate with them and say you know we're finding you this work we're filling your diary um you you know you're part of this community and it's yeah it's really educating both sides um and striking that balance yeah. interesting so i guess anna marie as again as it ever was in in most negotiations it's it's about the value <clears throat> putting forward the value proposition and i guess also People understanding your reputation um, mm. that you've you know you've obviously built up over over a period of time. But it's, again, if someone's if someone's listening and maybe they haven't got that reputation, right? They're starting out tomorrow in a business that you're yeah. currently in. How do they go about those sort of conversations? They're desperate for the business. They want to make it work, but um, you know potentially I need to have a difficult conversation with a client. How did you do it? Oh, good question. Um, <laughs> um, I think it's it's down a lot to, um, I mean, the word balance strikes um, as definitely true. You've got to have um, a very kind of equal view on what, what both parties need and require and yourself as a business. Um, educating on the value and the service, reiterating what Charlie said. Um, processes. Um, really look at kind of how you're starting and how where you want to end up and look at all the processes you need to do in between that. And unfortunately, there are a number of difficult conversations that just have to happen. And sure. as long as you're, you're sure on your facts, it always helps to have facts uh, backed up by, you know, these are, these are the costs, this is what we're delivering, a service level agreement. Um, it's, it's, there's always a form of negotiation that takes place and can can happen but um i i do think you just need to be sure of what you're selling and your brand and you know i'm I've, i'll hold my hands up and say i've i've accepted work where, where it's not my full day rate in the past and i've also worked with clients that do need more budget 
Um, but it's kind of looking at, okay, well, you can't make magic happen. Um, we are working with deliverables. So, okay, so if you're going, if you really want this part, this element, then we're going to have to lose something else. Sure. So where do we go to? How do we do that? Um, and just tackling, don't avoid the conversations. Yeah, so I think what's shining through here is communication, right? Uh, and also, I guess, look, at the end of the day, if people don't want to communicate with you and you're, you're negotiating or having the conversation over email and they won't pick up the phone, sometimes you need to walk away, right? I mean, I guess there are occasions that both of you Definitely. have done that. Yeah, and I, I think actually bringing up communication is a massive one. I love to pick up the phone. I'm a people person. I have a chat. It is quicker. Let's just get down to what we need to talk about. Sure. And, you know, you tell me what you're dealing with that is your challenge and I'll tell you my challenges. And then maybe I'll go away and I'll work something out. But, you know, let's not have 50 emails going back and forwards, not really talking about the real issue. And also understanding I love phone. Maybe some people don't. Maybe mm. they do prefer email. So, okay, I'm working with this particular person. They're not communicating well with me. That's perhaps because I'm using the wrong form of communication with them. Let's try something else. Is it email they prefer? Is it phone they prefer? Uh, always try your different kind of areas of communication to make sure that that is moving forward. Sure. Good advice. Charlie, obviously, when, when you started your business, uh, people might have known you as an individual because obviously you, you, you'd been working in the industry for a bit, but they didn't know Eventual, they didn't know the brand, didn't know what it stood for. Um, okay, someone listening, uh, and actually this is probably uh, relevant for, for any small business owner, how have you gone about building your brand? So if people say Eventual, they know what you stand for, know what you do, know the services you offer, without obviously having huge budgets to throw at I don't know, various activity. Give us some tips and tricks um, that you're currently employing and things that you, you, you try. So in my first year, I actually, um, I looked for funding. That was one thing I did okay. do, uh, local research. So um, I'm based in Leeds. So there's a, a funding called the Adventure uh, Funding. And I was actually accepted onto that. So they would match like pound for pound up to I think it was five thousand pounds so as a startup um you know that would that could cover anything to either help create jobs or help you build your business so things like the website the branding um buying like an office chair or a laptop like all those things were covered which as a startup you know you you may not have all those things so that would I, I really recommend looking at local funding um that was really helpful um and then in terms of putting myself out there obviously that was a big help in terms of um brand um putting myself out there i spent a lot of time on linkedin i uh, tried to do like free marketing like posting on social media sure. every single day um, which yeah is it it's a it's challenging it's a lot of work but it, it gets you out there and it's free um also connecting with people um I know Anna Marie and I connected quite early on um and just speaking to as many people as you can uh, attending as many events as you can if you can speak on panels um you know all these things I've like writing articles going on podcasts all of these things which don't cost any money really sure. are the best best form of marketing just putting yourself out there um and that's how i did it really um 
as well as I'd say my time on Fast Forward 15, being exposed to, you know, agency leaders who were mentors um, and the mentees and and just growing my presence that way as well. Perfect. Thank you. And Anna-Marie, any sort of tips and tricks? I know you're on socials a lot. Um, I say that in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, we, we we have to put ourselves out there, right? And, you know, again, coming coming back to trying to be all things to all people and stepping out of your comfort zone, that doesn't come naturally to everybody. There might be someone sitting here thinking, you know what, I'm great at delivering an event, but I'm terrible mm. at promoting myself. And uh, what, what advice would you give to them? What are the sort of things that you've been doing? It's a difficult one, really, because I think especially when it comes to social media, there's so much training, there's marketing agencies, there's algorithms, there's more technical. For me personally, I've always kept it uh, personal. It's like my authentic self. I I do need to think about some things before I post, but (laughs) if I'm at an event and, you know, I've got... I've just had a really great conversation or if you know something's happening and I'm doing something like make it organic um post it on your profile say you know you're here you're there you're really enjoying this you've had um a good conversation or you've learned something from you know I I've always kept it quite authentic and very this is who I am with you know perhaps that builds my personal brand and they say do you know what I I get Anna I'd like to work with her. I'd like to work with AMT events. I can see that she's passionate. I can see that she's creative. She really puts herself out there. I pick up the phone to her. She's going to she's gonna call me back if she misses my call. Um, you know, I, I think that definitely helps. But, um, yeah, from, from more of the introvert person, um, I'd say take baby steps. Start following some people that you... Um, uh, looking at and you go, oh, I really like their posts. I've, I've, oh, oh yeah, they're doing that really well. Follow them, see, see how they post. And if you're, if you think that's very similar to your style, you'll definitely start to build the confidence. Um, put in that deadline. If you haven't posted before, just do you know what? I'm gonna do it by June, and that's my deadline. I'm not, I'm not gonna be procrastinating or overthinking things that's my deadline I'll make my first post then it will be one a week then I'll build it up to two a week if that's the that's really what you want to be doing then um yeah sure try and do the research I guess there's thank you I guess it's part of you know feel the fear and do it anyway I know it's a cliche that's used but um you know, uh, uh, we have to we have to try these things and put ourselves out of our comfort zone. So, um, sadly, we're sort of um, nearing the end. But um, Charlie, just um, what do you love about being your own boss or business owner? Hmm. Um, I love the flexibility. I, I really, really love that I can work to. I, I mean, I work a lot anyway. It's not that I'm trying to not work. Um, but I love that I can sort of start early if I want to or work later if I want to take time off when I need to and when it works for the business. There's no sort of asking for approval on holidays. It's like a really small thing, but I really love having that flexibility. Um, but then on the flip side, having someone to not having a boss to speak to and bounce ideas off is really tricky. So that's where, you know, a mentor comes in. But yeah, I'd say flexibility is is key for me. Sure. And Anna-Marie, anything you'd like to add to that? 
Um, I definitely think flexibility is is one of the, the key things because we all love the industry and we all love different areas of the industry as well. I, I'm very social. I like attending the various industry shows that go on. I think it's great to meet suppliers, to reestablish uh, kind of relationships of people that you may not have seen for a while um, to reconnect and with your existing ones um, so it's um, I, I love to be out there and I haven't been in my past roles always able to attend what I want to attend so that flexibility um, is definitely um, sure. an enjoyable factor and I'll ask this of both of you um, Anna-Marie first you obviously set the business up pretty much three years to the day, right? If you could have a phone call with Anna-Marie in uh, June 2020 <laughs> um, and were to give her <laughs> some advice based on the last three years, what would that be? Um, keep your business plan up to date <laughs> and make the time for it because it is really, really vital uh, financially to make decisions, see what see what you've got to spend um and uh yeah i think that that's definitely but i did have a business plan right at the start so i was very lucky that i know many businesses um don't don't do that so that was definitely useful um and just follow your feet and just kind of the self-doubt is good because it makes you work harder and it makes you improve but i think the we're we're hardest on ourselves so try and be kind to yourself. <laughs> and Charlie, you've, you've had a, you've had a chance to think about it. That was unfair of me to throw that at you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you. You're sitting there in, in June 2020. I know it was a, a strange time, just just generally because obviously the pandemic. But um, what what advice? What you know, if you if you could phone yourself back then, what would you say? I think don't worry too much about all the little things. I remember thinking like. But I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to submit corporation tax bill. Like I, I don't know how to do that. But find the right people that can help you. So invest in like a good accountant from the beginning. Um, invest in the support that you need for the things that you're not skilled at or you don't know how to do. Sure. Um, because it can save so so much money. And yeah, just enjoy it and believe in yourself because i mean we've made it to three years and that's pretty amazing (laughs) absolutely absolutely (laughs) um and just just finally what's uh what's coming up from for amt events and then i I back to you event uh charlie afterwards talk about adventure yes sure so uh, currently it's getting very very busy i I did have a bit of a quiet period of as which is totally unnatural to me. So I really had to go, no, use this time to like yeah. do everything that you haven't had a chance to do for the last six months. Do the admin, analyze the ops and get everything in line, um, which I've been doing very much. Uh, we've just started working with Delivered Social in Guildford. They're going to be continuing my marketing because it is difficult to juggle everything. Uh, sure. Coming up, we've got big events um, across different sectors, new sectors, actually. Um in pharmaceutical and governance um 
and uh, that's currently getting booked up to November, which is a bit mad. Um, one more thing I'd love to say, I need to sure. get it out there. We were going to do it for June, um, but because the summer's so busy, we've pushed it back to September. I'm actually working with Phyllis Tuckwell and Shooting Star Charities. We're doing a fashion charity show that's going to be cool. taking place in September. Um, and uh, it's, yeah, it's in development at the moment. Very exciting. Cool. We look forward to, to reading more about that. And say for you, Charlie, what, what's uh, what's next for adventure over the next few months? Yeah, I mean, summer, we're sort of coming out of corporate uh, season. Summer sort of lends itself more to roadshows, experiential. Yeah. Um, yeah, those kind of things. Um, for me, getting out, visiting, uh existing clients i've got quite a lot of new business meetings scheduled um so yeah busy 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 i, I never really... <laughs> yeah the world the, the wonderful world of a solo product what did you say as well i forgot sure thank you so much oh, for yes <laughs> it's very difficult to see because it's glass but just explain go. what that is yeah so it's the uh incentive a list yeah. um for 2023 um, there's a lovely group of us and I went to the celebration awards party yesterday evening and they gave me uh -huh. this lovely award and <laughs> I'm, I'm constantly awarding other people, whether it's freelancers or my clients sure. employees. So it's lovely to receive a physical award. <laughs> Con congratulations. Congratulations. So yeah, we, we, I, I, we, we hope the businesses go from strength to strength and, uh, maybe we'll get you back on in another three years, <laughs> to celebrate your six year. <laughs> Celebrate your six year, yeah. uh, six year anniversary. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Dan.